0: Week eight, session four. Appointed times. God will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favour to her. The appointed time has come. Psalm one hundred and two, verse thirteen. Line up for the lineup. The two men were the same. They had both learned to live according to worldly ideals. They knew how to play the game. Their personal ambition and capacity had ensured they had held positions of influence, but the price they had paid was through the currency of popularity. And so together, but alone, they walked into the Hebrew temple and lined themselves up to stand in the presence of a holy God. Luke 18, 14 The two men were the same, but they were also completely different. As they stood there lined up, their postures could not have been more radically opposed. The Pharisee thought he belonged there. His hands were clean and his back was straight. But not the tax collector. His hands were dirty and his back bent forward as he realized his true state. He did not belong in God's presence. In that regard, the two men were agreed. The Pharisee thought, thank God I'm not like him, seeing no similarity between the two of them. Jesus told the story of the two men to make a point. No one really wins in this kind of lineup, just some seem to, and yet the world loves lines. In fact, much of the world relies on them for their worth. We use lines to exclude people and lines to measure up. Most people hope their life follows a direct line, upwards and to the right. We want to advance, get better, go higher, and we want to make sure that we are just a little bit further up the line than the next person. The Pharisee lined himself up against the tax collector and thought he measured up pretty well in comparison. The tax collector agreed, but turned to God for an answer. God made humanity with an inbuilt motivation to progress, but fallen humanity turns that into a need to win. We turned the journey into a race and turned striding into striving. We line up to get into the lineup. And if any of us drop out or burn out, then there's a queue of hopefuls ready to buy in and start climbing the ladder themselves. As Lily Tomlin, the comedian, once said, the trouble with the rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat. There is no future in lineups. We know it too, but in the absence of an alternative, we tend to just fall back into line. That's why we struggle to come to terms with an idea like a promised land that isn't a place but a journey. What does that mean? Isn't there a finish line? Isn't there any line? It's disconcerting for us because we operate under a linear worldview, one that sees a beginning and an end and a line that joins the two. We want to walk a straight line of life that progresses and rises day after day because in a linear mentality, we define ourselves by success. But God doesn't think in a linear way. He sees the beginning and the end together. He sees us all as different but equal at the same time. He looks down at the tax collector and the Pharisee and doesn't see a performance difference, only a posture difference. God does not live in a world of linear measurement, either of performance or of time. He is I am. He is all at once. He doesn't see a wilderness as a place to rush out of. He sees it as a place of opportunity and intimacy. So time is of no concern to him. 40 years or 40 days, it makes no difference to God. He's about relationship and kingdom. He's more about who you are becoming than what you are doing. As this course draws to a close, it's appropriate to introduce you to a new way of thinking. You've already been exposed to it, but now we can explain it. You've seen some of it in the circular journey you've taken the journey that branches off the linear path and onto another that gradually curves back through an entire circle ending up close to where you branched off. We are back at that point now, and you have a choice. Not about what you do, but a choice as to how you view your next steps. You can see it as stepping back into the linear and progressive path of life, being business as usual with a few good principles tucked under your arm, or you can view it as stepping off one circular journey and onto another. Moedim Welcome to the worldview of the Hebrews, a worldview God gave them to help them understand His ways and to guide their calendar. It's centered around the Hebrew word Moedim, which means appointed times. You started this journey with the word kairos, a Greek word meaning opportune time. This is very different to an appointed time because God's appointed times are not random one-off opportunities, but could be better described as cyclical and timely seasons. In Hebrew thinking, it's been suggested that time is seen as an ascending helix, like a slinky or even a DNA strand that twirls like a corkscrew. The ancient Hebrews were instructed by God to order their affairs by a seasonal calendar. They had cycles of weeks, months, and years. Circles within spirals, ever revisiting the same places and principles, but doing it from an ever more mature and journeyed mindset. From above, the spiral seems to come back to the same place, but from the viewpoint of the journey, it's higher, more matured, at a higher level of character. The Hebrew calendar included many intentional appointed times, or moadim. These times were appointed by God to focus on an issue or a principle that was a key, repeatable, developing, and even prophetic idea. Look, for example, at the Jewish Passover, celebrated annually. It was a reminder of the deliverance of Israel from Egypt and looked forward to the coming salvation of the true Israel. Jesus' crucifixion occurred at Passover because it was an appointed time, a time to revisit and focus on the sacrificial lamb whose blood atoned for theirs. And many such appointed times were prescribed by God, and so the Israelites could look both back at God's work and look forward to their completion. The linear worldview that most of us adhere to is more of a perception than a reality, and it has no grid for eternity because a linear world needs a start line and a finish line, a big bang and an end of days if you like, otherwise the worldview falls apart. A linear worldview doesn't like to peak too soon, otherwise life can lose meaning. Sports stars retire when they can rise no further. Alexander the Great died when there was no more enemies to conquer. There is no strategy for dealing with the rise and fall of life. Rise equals success. Fall means failure. In the Hebrew mind, an opportunity to grow will always come around again. The season will return and a pointed time will present itself in due course. Meanwhile, We can look back at what has been gained and celebrate what, one day, will be. Apply this mindset to the idea of wisdom's journey for applying truth to life. You will remember there is a call, a wilderness and a promised land, the call being instigated by a revelation. We tend to think the revelation is the beginning and the end, that truth learned is a life changed. But have a look at Habakkuk 2 verses 2 and 3, which tells us to write a revelation down because, as it says, the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. The revelation itself is not the appointed time, but it speaks of it. The time may seem to linger, but as the season progresses, the appointed time will come, and quite often, it will come again. You may have noticed that opportunities to grow have come and gone in your life without a lot of progress on your part. As you look back, you wish you were more together at the time or could have recognised the opportunity and grabbed it. But the understanding of spirals and seasons offers you a little relief from regret because even if you reach the door of a proverbial promised land and aren't able to enter into it, that season will come in another form at a new appointed time. The Hebrews weren't ready for their first promised land opportunity, but after the next wilderness season, they were. God never relents. He never gives up on us, but continues to offer us opportunities to repent and believe. And sometimes our ability to progress in one area is constrained by our growth in another. Like the string of genes in the spiraling DNA strand, we address one issue in life to a point, but can't progress further until we deal with the next, which leads us to deal with another. As each area enjoys incremental but not total development, we eventually come full circle to address the original area, but at a higher place than last time. This is the power of the circular journey you've been on for the last eight weeks. You haven't really been on a linear journey through your life at all, but have probably lived as if you were. But all this time, God has been at work, offering Kairos moments and presenting appointed Moedim times again and again and he won't stop doing that for you. In this transforming course, you have now traveled a full circle and are back where you started, ready to go at life again. But hopefully, you're a little higher than you were before. The Circular Journey Revisited Let's revise quickly the circular journey of the transforming course. It started with identifying Kairos, an opportune moment that happens randomly and probably frequently throughout life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. The journey to kingdom lies on the circular journey. You embrace the invitation to grow and turn off the path you are on and begin to seek God in defining the issue at hand. Blessed are those who can mourn, for they will be comforted. Then, as God begins to reveal the sin, ungodly beliefs, wounds, entanglements, and demonic influence, you are presented with the choice to submit the issue to the lordship of Christ. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit eternal life. Then, with a surrendered heart, you are ready to go from repentance to faith. You realize that only God can meet your deepest needs, and you rely on Him to do just that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You begin to walk with God and his power, taking new steps of faith. And then you begin to plan how the walk with God would transition into work with God. In a small way, you begin to taste the promised land journey, partnering with God so he can work through you, not just for you. And through this part of the journey, you begin developing a plan for life using the elements of the growth acronym to provide a holistic and healthy environment for life. And so, here you are. Paused before you re-enter life with a new definition of normal. Your path is now higher than it was. The kairos has progressed to moedim. An opportune time has led you to an appointed time. So, what does it now mean to be higher than before? Does higher mean more advanced, more righteous? No, relax. The linear mindset can be wiped away. You have an advanced upper line to become better than anyone else. We are made righteous in Christ, not in our personal maturity. But you have hopefully progressed, become more Christ-like, determined to live a new way. What exactly is higher and better in the kingdom? What does it mean to make progress? Well, you will remember that our Kairos moments are an opportunity to advance the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. An uncorrupted version of progress is not to advance our own empires in life, but to advance the kingdom. The kingdom can be defined in many ways and includes many facets, but it's probably most succinctly defined as shalom, peace with self, peace with creation, peace with God, peace with my neighbor. Shalom is not a singular state. In its proper form, the kingdom is not isolationist. It is corporate, global, even cosmic. The point is, it's bigger than you or me. For us to progress means the kingdom advances, which in turn means it will bring benefit to others. The process of change in us will radiate out to affect the world. Our victory is not just our victory. When the Hebrews would come to their seasonal appointed times of remembrance, they would always do it in corporate terms. They would identify themselves with past generations, saying, We turned away, or we were delivered. Hebrews 11.40 even infers that the victories and faith of the past don't reach their full benefit until we join with them in faith. We are all indelibly connected in the kingdom of God. Some cultures still live this way. When running a conference in an African country, the theme of the entire time had to be changed from discipleship of individuals to discipleship of the village. They had no term for me alone, only words for us together. If you have grown, then at this appointed time, you're welcome to pause and reflect on the good that God has done, on the things he is doing, and even the things he has yet to do. This is one of your appointed times, a season where your victory is our victory, where your challenge is a challenge for all the body of Christ. Why not pause now and celebrate God? He is with you and always will be. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now is your appointed time to remember and worship God alone. Note Perhaps the circular and spiral journey of spiritual life could be depicted like a coil. As we grow, so does the kingdom. We revisit issues continually, but hopefully we do it from a higher level of maturity and character next time. We should regularly assign appointed times to celebrate what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. We join with generations past and future to own the kingdom story. Your journal God is more about who you are becoming than what you're doing. Why not pause now and celebrate God? He is with you and always will be. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now is your appointed time to remember and to worship God alone. Thank you.